0: Transfer the contempt against myself to contempt against the church, <laughs> which is actually a, a natural process when you've dedicated everything and then you realize it's not what you thought it was. It's natural for you to feel angry and betrayed. In fact, it's a very complex betrayal trauma we experience leaving. And it's not something that you get to just snap out of. And so you when you hear things like, well, they can leave the church, but they just can't leave the church alone. Um, The truth of the matter is they won't leave it alone because it wounded them and they'll speak out about it because it has psychologically manipulated them in a way that's um, denied their sovereignty. And of course, we need to experience some grieving about that and anger is in the process of the grief. Unfortunately, many of us haven't been taught how to grieve in a healthy way. And so we stay in the loop, cycling around in the anger and the betrayal and the grief and the upset. And then we turn all the efforts and energy that we were putting into being valiant members of the church, into being valiant destroyers of the church. And we're still watching episode after episode, validating our woundedness rather than popping out of it and creating a life and saying, you have wings, Now you have the sovereignty that you've wanted all along. So rather than complaining about it, why not make a plan and go live your life, the rest of your life, unburdened and untethered with these doctrines and really discover who you are and and generate um, this cosmic opportunity that you have with creation without all of the heavy rules and the obligations and the fears and all of these things and really engage with the universe. And instead they'll stay cycling in that pattern of victimhood and, and pain and suffering. And for me, I would like to help do nothing more than to help what I call my people be able to get out of that situation and live gorgeous lives. Cause that's, that gets to be our our inheritance that we give to our family that's the legacy that we get to leave the earth is our victory over that experience
1: welcome to the deeper awareness podcast where we delve into the depths of our inner selves uncovering authenticity and transformation join us for enlightening conversations on breathwork self-discovery and the profound journey within i'm your host josh perry joined by the delightful Hannah Oxley. Let's begin.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Deeper Awareness Podcast. I'm Hannah and today Josh and I sat down with Wendy Jensen. She is such a beautiful soul. It was so wonderful to spend time with her as she shared her story about how she left um, the Church of jesus christ latter-day saints um and what gifts that transformation that leaving and finding a new life and all of the emotion that goes on with something so life-changing like leaving a church you grew up being in and being such a huge part of um and how she now shares her wisdom with people who are also leaving the church. Um, it's funny, Josh asked me afterwards if I resonated with any of it. And I said, of course, like I, um, not very, not from like the religious perspective, say, but just like the mind control aspect of it. I always find so fascinating um, to, to just be aware of how, how strong our minds are and how we will create, um truths that might not be our own truth until we start to really peel back um, layers of beliefs that were placed onto us in order to find that real truth inside of us. Um, so if you do resonate more with the with the church and the um, religious aspect of the story, I'm so excited for you to hear this episode., um, but for anybody, it's it we talked about so many, um, just inner work things of of how to tap into your intuition um, know what's true and, and so many other great tidbits um, so I hope you enjoy this episode I know you will thank you and enjoy We will do have we eventually have different stories to share to people and to pick the right mm-hmm. one but whatever we want this to be as nourishing for you as it is for our listeners
0: Wow, well, it's always fun to Able to be recorded, and I don't know. Sometimes really profound things come out, and I'm like, okay, that wasn't even my idea. So hopefully, somebody recorded it, <laughs> it Came from another realm out my mouth.
2: <laughs> that's how this started, Josh. I was he was doing my practice sessions when I was going through practicum for my breathwork certification, and then I did his, and which was just like, wow, we need to start recording those things those profound things that come out of our mouths. And we started, and that's when we're like. We're already recording. Why don't we just, some, like put it out there and and let p- other people listen? So like that's that trauma informed approach that we took. Like whatever we were afraid of, we made a little bit of room for ease and and let that fear be there, and then we moved past it together wow. and became and decided that we those profound things needed to be heard by other people.
0: It's so true because um, when you're traversing unknown territory. And you're expanding beyond anything that was modeled for you. That's about all we have is other people's stories. And when we can hear that they're experiencing the same thing before we cross that threshold, it's almost like someone's holding your hand and saying, okay, this is it. You got it. You got it. Until you're like, I knew it was here. All I had to go on was the words of other people. And so that's why I love podcasts too, because they can help help us navigate un, uncharted territory for ourselves. So.
2: Exactly. And I always say it's that authenticity that we hear through other people that really permissions us to be like, wow, they're just being their real self. I can just be my real self. And that takes, I, that, takes that vulnerability and courage, but there's so much healing of that on the other side. Like, was it Josh, you posted something. I think, um, what was it? The antidote to shame is vulnerability like, I just think that was so, so powerful. And it kind of relates to what we're trying to get across, like for people sharing their stories.
0: Uh, that is very profound. I, I think that's an epic, um, pivotal point in my own life, where um, I had never really been in for any therapy or anything. And I had read the book, Remembering Wholeness by Carol Tuttle. And she pretty much put all the responsibility on me for what I was creating in the world. And I was like, what? No, I'm being obedient. So the world needs to bow to me. And I was just so, so fed up with my husband. And he wasn't showing up the way I expected to. And I was going into her, this facilitator, and she did rapid eye technology. Um, And I was going to go into her and help, ask her to help me to fix him. Because obviously it wasn't me. (laughs) And she said, "I." for 10 minutes, I sat there and um, talked to her about, you know, my victim situation that I was in and how holy I was. And now I look back and just kind of laugh because I can hear those tones from other people that I coach too. And I know right where they're at. And she just held such safe space for me. And she said, Wendy, I have a question for you. And I'm like, okay, you know, we're going to get to the bottom of this. And she <laughs> said, do you ever feel like you're superior? And I, I was like, okay, I don't, I don't like this question. Immediately, I don't like this question. Because anybody who comes off superior to me is just like so disgusting. Like they're just disgust for it. And, but I let it land and I let it pierce through the layers of protection. And I, because she created such a gorgeous safe space for me, I, I went deep and I looked in and I'm like, oh, tears started coming down my eyes. I'm like, I pretty much think I'm, I'm the best in doing the hardest work than anyone else. And I'm, I'm showing up and have the cleanest house. And I I take care of my body and my kids are all properly fed and, and clothed and, and I'm going to church and I'm doing all this and this and that I'm pretty much think that I have all my things together. And I, I said, yeah, Oh, I don't want to admit it, but I do think I'm pretty superior. And I'm like, what do we do with this? Cause I'm like, it's just all in my throat. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not like I'm throwing up on myself. <laughs> and, um, she said, well, you need to know that that, uh, Superiority is a deeper is a reflection of deeper inferiority, mm. and then the floodgates just opened up, and then the really deeper truth came out that I was trying to create an image of myself as perfect on the outside to um, hide how inferior I was feeling on the inside, and so luckily I was allowed that that question. To penetrate and to what you were saying Hannah all that to come to this and that is I had to be vulnerable to pierce through the layers of, of just insulated shame that I did not want to have to um, get to that the bottom of that I mean I, I knew I wanted to get answers and solutions but I didn't know it was going to be in that vulnerable scary dark place of admitting that I was trying to be better than everybody else and as an effort to cover my own inferiority. So I love that, that the opposite of that shame is vulnerability. I agree. I agree, at least with my own experience. Yeah, it's really powerful. That was the day that I knew in my heart I wanted to hold that space for other people. Wow. Mm. Where they could just lay it all out and know that I'm here to help them navigate. I am a non judgmental witness of their journey. Hmm. And when, I'm sensitive. Was that? Had, um, that was in 2005.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. And so she was a rapid eye technician. Uh, Carol Tuttle, who wrote the book Remembering Wholeness, was a rapid eye technician. So I didn't really, that was the first healing art that was presented to me. And so I mapped onto it and leaned in. And since then, I've learned other modalities, like um, quantum touch seemed to be the next thing, emotional freedom technique. Um, I tried to do Reiki, and it just wasn't my modality. I, you know, tried all kinds of things. And I I will have to say, uh, the one that's had the most profound impact on me, let me turn off my phone here, is breath work. (laughs) Mm. I've done plant medicine. I've done... Just altered, just all, all kinds of things to alter mind states to have uh, an internal shift. Um, but when I started doing plant medicine, I had that epic satori moment where I went into the void and the first time that it happened to me, I, I panicked and immediately like popped myself out of it. And, and and heavy breathing and like what just happened <laughs> and it was like that everything just went black and i felt so connected to everything and then um the next time i did the breath work i said this time i'm going to be brave and I'm going to stay in that void and sure enough it doesn't take long for me to really drop down in and um get to that place where i'm just a part of the great whole and usually my response is to just laugh. I'm sure if you guys are facilitating breath work um, sessions for groups of people, I'm the one that, you know, maybe we should get headphones. <laughs> 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 because I feel bad because I know people are processing deep, deep uh, trauma and a lot are crying and others are, you know, breathing heavy, trying to get through it. But for some reason it just, I get so tickled at thinking, what a big deal we're making out of everything. Mm. <laughs> and I just laugh at myself and I just laugh at how funny and how serious we, we are because that realm is just so joyful. It's just so everything's okay. And you know that emotional component that we have in this dimension and in this carnation, um, it really takes us for a loop and for a ride. And so for me, the more I can get into that state of remembering um, who we really are, and it just, it just tickles me. It just makes me laugh in so much bliss and joy. So I can't do it enough.
2: (laughs) I love that, that reflection, because I remember before I started my spiritual path, I, I was traveling And there was just one night, I think it was the end of my trip and I had to come back to the States and I just started crying. And The person I was with was like, like, we can travel again. Like, why are you crying? And I remember just being like, the world, like, like just that overwhelming feeling that like, it was just so much, like I was just starting to feel, I think I didn't know like how much of an empath I was. And I was just feeling just like immense sadness and overwhelm. But then when I started doing breath work years later, it's that opposite. It's that like that, that joy of like, oh my God, like it's, it's that it's everything. Yeah. So it's just so simple. Like, so there's, you go from like the two extremes and breath work definitely for me too, like brings me into both, like to be like, okay, this is something that was valid that you were feeling that every, there's so much sadness and grief in the world, but also, and also like, it is just so simple. We're all just one. Right. Well,
0: and I think it's like different layers of awareness, don't you think? Like, Mm -hmm. especially when you're an empath, and I'm sitting across from someone I'm like doing some work with and um, navigating, I I have to be able to feel that emotion and, and travel through that, the thickness of suffering and pain and all that. But there's just something more powerful, at least for me as a facilitator of knowing that up above here is this place of everything is okay how do we get back into that everything is okay and mm-hmm. how to unweave and unravel this story and retell it in a way that um, reveals the lessons rather than keeps us in this state of woundedness.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's so good. I, I've thought a lot, and we've talked about this on the podcast of the spiritual path is it's easy to get caught up in the affirmations where we're kind of just going into pretend fake enlightenment because we're saying the right things, but without going deep Deep. into the wounds, it's like going deep. The the deeper I've gone into those. Now I can take that step back that you're talking about and hold. Mm -hmm. It's like, hold, hold the presence that yes, I can see that this is really a lot for you right now. And We can move through it it's not like all consuming because when when we can't see our way through it it does feel like there's no way out or i'm stuck or
0: yeah well and, and if you've interviewed people who have been you know wanting to take their life and being in those situations that's exactly what they the biggest thing that they feel is i'm trapped i have no way out of this this is the only way out and little do they know that they're right there at the veil, ready to pierce through. Mm. And you hear stories like Eckhart Tolle or Byron Katie's story is one of my favorites too, where they're just in that state of deepest despair and suddenly they have this epic download of what it's all about. And it's like complete pivot and they're able to climb out of it. And I, sometimes it's gotta be hard to teach people because that cataclysmic moment is not what most of us experience it's not like everything is dark and suddenly somebody turns a light on it's it's more of this gradual okay now i see the wisdom in this experience uh what's next (laughs) it's just in this continual state of doing your shadow work so to speak and i i have to be honest there's times where i wish i had that epic Mm -hmm. you know one time crash, <laughs> but I know what it takes to have to get to that at rock bottom and i I don't envy that when I think of it that way so
1: so can you take us back in time and this can be childhood this can be wherever you want to start we just like to get to know you and your story your journey mm-hmm. and you can fill in you know as much detail as you want to go into.
0: oh goodness well I will. Um, a lot of it I process, so I really don't get stuck in the in the trauma very much. But in an effort to for my story to be useful for others, I was raised um, very orthodox in the um, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, seventh generation. And it was a very profound part of my upbringing. And we did all the things and I uh, followed all the milestones and all I was very obedient. My personality is... Um in as I do like things like human design harmony is really one of the big things that I've come here um at to bring as a gift, not to learn. It's something I like I already knew and learned at some other point in my um lifetime lifetimes, but it was a gift that I've come to bring here. So mm-hmm. um, I try to be obedient and I was people pleaser, so sometimes it was not working in my, it worked for my benefit um, when I was younger because it saved um, conflict and chaos. And so I was the peacekeeper in the home and I would go around doing my brothers and sisters jobs at some so that when my mom got home, there wouldn't be arguing. And, and I was always, so I was like the martyr, the one that would sacrifice to avoid the chaos and I take take on all these roles of course as a young child completely unconsciously and it's not there's not anyone to blame other than this is just how I onboarded all the things I was experiencing. And so um I was just obedient, very good, didn't um live the tenets of of the faith and no sex, drugs or alcohol or any of the things and dress modestly and all these things. And so um I got married at 18 and Um, That was like two months of of dating and three months of engagement. And then poof, I've married at 18, starting a family and had my first daughter at 20. And um, as I was nursing her as such an intimate experience with a child, um, and she's looking deep into my eyes. And we're just having that integrating experience that moms do when they have that chance to nourish their child in that such organic way. And I suddenly got a really afraid of messing up and realizing the responsibility, the weight of the responsibility was on me at that time. And so with her, I, I just, because what I was taught was obedience was the key. And that's when I dug my heels in really deep into the doctrine. And I started a pathway of um, strict religiosity and just, scrupulous about how I was living um, the religion because that was the only way that I knew how to protect my children (laughs) from the evils of the world that I was told that were constantly at our doorstep. And so I really got toxic like a mama with my hair on fire Mm -hmm. and with the the church and and the gospel and the doctrines. And um, so I was a strict um, LDS mother and just that's when it it got so toxic that's when i finally went into this facilitator i told you in the beginning and was ready to get some more tips on how i could fix everybody (laughs) and then that's what sent me after five kids uh that's what sent me into the journey of self discovery and self-awareness and i realized such profound benefits just from that one session um that I realized there was so much more inside of me. Little did I know that 20 years later, I'd still be investigating, okay, well, what's this belief? And what's this childhood thing? And what's this going on? I thought maybe if I did a good job of it for a year, I'd be done. (laughs) No, it's a lifetime thing. (laughs) So that's when I started into rapid eye technology and a lot of the energy healing um, modalities and things that were taught about energy and... Uh, the universality and the availability that it is to everyone did not align with the things that I was t- being taught at church, and like about the priesthood, about the Holy Ghost, about, you know, some of these things that um, were deeply woven into the doctrines that I was taught. And so I realized I was going on to the periphery of the doctrine and scratching on there and just poking my head out a couple of times, looking over there, trying to see what else is out here. <laughs> and then I started to realize I, I wrote the healing questions guide book and i think this i don't know if either of you have the copy of this um healing questions guide is a three-year project for me and it's about somatic healing and so what you'll find in there is you'll look up symptoms going on in your and body and a series of questions to ask the mind to start challenging the beliefs that are contributing to what's physically manifesting in the body Wow. And so it's a great tool um, for people who just want to do self troubleshooting in between sessions And um, a lot of facilitators use it in, in their practice. And so that's what I was learning through of what I had learned facilitating rapid eye technology for so long. But at the end of that book um, and publishing it, I realized that there was a theme throughout each of the things that um, I was trying to repattern and and That theme was self-contempt, contempt Contempt against the self Mm. generates disease within the body, generates Mm. dissonance within the body, and that dissonance over time creates sickness. Um, And that disease and dissonance that we call hereditary is actually a long-time held belief that's passed on from generation to generation, But it's the theme that is continuous throughout all the symptoms and all the beliefs had to do with contempt against the self. And so when I realized this, I started asking myself more deep, penetrating questions, like when was the first time that I sensed contempt against myself? And for me, that answer was in my religion when I was taught that I was in need of rescue and Um, That's some very sacred, loving, purest of us all had to die a violent death to pay for something vile, so vile that I would do or had done. And so knowing that somebody had paid that, that big price, and then looking at me, realizing that there was just like, I wanted to investigate everything that was wrong with me. And that it was constantly this theme is what else is wrong with me? What else is wrong with me? How else can I pay for what I've done for his suffering? Hmm. And it just started to generate a very unhealthy pattern of contempt against the self. And um, other people might have found contempt against the self with an abusive parent or being rejected in school, or there could just be a number of things that you know ig- ignite that I Contempt against the self, which is funny because in the healing world, that's what we're trying to reconcile is that love and acceptance of ourself. And the deepest, deepest level is actually the pathway into wholeness and healing. And we're in that when we're in that place, we radiate this different kind of energy and vibration and love to other people that is, um, so contrary to what I was being taught that I needed to be worthy, that I needed to do these certain things and uh, place all my love and adoration and worship on some external being, rather than bringing it inside and recognizing the inner verse or the queendom inside of me and realizing that this outside world was a projection of what was going on in my inside world. And that if I'm not pleased with what's going on in the outside world, um, what I do is I alter and rearrange my beliefs. And that usually when you do something like breath work or plant medicine and it brings you into that state of oneness, then you're it, 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 somehow you're able to identify those pathways and those beliefs and those traumas that have happened and reframe them. So that's kind of my journey at that point. Um, that's the thing that we call our proverbial shelf of issues that I was already having with the religion that I grew up in, and um, that's when it collapsed is when I realized that it was impacting our mind, and it actually became a virus against self-love. Wow. So <laughs> I don't know if your readers will appreciate that story, that's just my story and my experience. So in that place, that sent me down the rabbit hole to look at other things that were really out of alignment with my moral character, understanding uh, mind control. And um, so that's kind of been my journey is helping other people, because sometimes we have trauma that happens within the umbrella of indoctrination. And then some religions, when you leave, you have a secondary trauma, and that is now you're being ostracized by your community and you've become irrelevant to those who still believe and you really take a hit on your identity and try to figure out well who uh who am i if i'm not who i've been told i am and so i because that's such i, I had the skills when that happened to me and i just still crashed hard mm-hmm. and i didn't know how to climb out of it and so I wanted to create um, processes and coaching and other things for other people who are having that same experience, not wanting, have no intention to destroy the church. Um, I'm just here for the healing and to help people to um, reconcile some of the beliefs that they established that are not, um, they might be blocking them on their way to wanting to, discover who they really are and what their potential is and what they've come to bring the world.
2: I imagine that that niche, though you might think it's a small amount of people, is probably like you probably have so many clients
0: needing this sort of help. Well, I think um, here in Utah, that's densely the LDS population. um, There is an, an increase and there is a momentum and an outflux of people who can no longer align just because of the natural evolution of some social constructs. I think every religion, I don't think our religion is special, I think it has a unique and specific doctrines that impact specifically, but we're not unique in that um, religion is taking a hit right now because those are methods and narratives that we've been, mapped onto for good purposes or bad purposes (laughs) um, to be able to understand our world. And they're really wrapped in guilt, obligation, shame, and fear. And that was the technology we used to get us to do and behave better. And now we're at a more evolved state collectively where we can use empowerment and self-awareness and boundaries, and trauma work, and all of these things that have come in my generation, um, we can use them to upgrade how we have our human experience. And a lot of times, religion just no longer fits within that realm, because it really is about understanding the inner world. And religion was more about mapping onto an external God that Mm -hmm. had limits and rules and expectations. So, yes, there's an outflux is what I'm trying to say. And it's got momentum. And I think these outdated technologies are just going to naturally start to dissolve. (laughs) It will take decades. But we're in a great awakening, in my opinion. And there's just um, many young people whose minds are already... I don't have another word other than to say upgraded (laughs) and ready to experience something other than kneeling in in pews and, you know, taking sacraments and, and uh, dressing up in shirts and ties and, and, you know, claiming exclusive rights to God. It just doesn't fit within their wheelhouse anymore.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree that there, it definitely feels like an awakening to me too.
0: Yeah. And I'm here for it. I'm so excited about, I, I just moved to St. George and there's just a collective of people who are learning all these beautiful modalities like um, drumming and breath work and plant medicine and facilitating things like yesterday, I just did a light therapy where the bed vibrates and you've got the lights going. And then you've got the, also the binaural beats going and it really shifts um, a lot of clogged up energy um depending on what program you're using. I'm like, we have come a long way from rapid eye when I had to use this eye directing device and go really fast and get you to blink so I could get you in an altered state to release the trauma you had when you were seven. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: this this when you were talking about um contempt against within yourself or something I couldn't think of the definition of contempt and I was like I have to google that I feel silly not knowing what that is but then I was like maybe a listener also is a no so what would you how would you you define contempt
0: um just an aversion or a resistance resistance yeah like like a like a disgust is not the word but just just um almost associated with an anger
2: for yourself yeah yeah. So mm-hmm.
1: does judgment fall in there? Like how does judgment fit? Like self-judgment?
2: Mm.
0: Um. Well, I, I think we're just going to be judge, judgy beings. Like I wrote a blog once about judge me. Go ahead and judge me. You have total permission because you're going to judge me anyway. And that's more of a reflection of your programming is how you judge and I remember in the when I was, you know, deeply um, in my religion, I would go to take the sacrament with this earnest desire to not judge anymore, because I started to realize I'm super critical. The superior girl of this is so critical. And so my, my whole goal was I'm going to take the sacrament, be renewed and make this commitment I'm not going to judge. And I, I I literally I tell you I handed the tray to the next person probably a family member and I literally just looked over and saw this woman's dress and like I can't believe she's wearing that to church. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is a really systemic problem. And then I started beating myself up and saying what's wrong with you? You are so mean. You're like a mean girl. What what is-? And so it just learning that inner dialogue and nobody taught me certainly not in church the pathway to get out of that judgment that you're talking about josh and and now i understand is the more i accept about myself
1: mm.
0: not that i'm perfect and not that i'm you know not that i have arrived on any level but the more that i set accept that i'm a little messy here and i remember when i used to be judgy like that too, and. I remember when I felt so desperate that I started doing manipulative things and I remember that I was trying to express myself and I tried to dress sexy and get validation from other people and and because I've accepted all those weakened and desperate states rather than having contempt against them, that absorption of my self-acceptance is what caused me to look at other people going through those struggles and rather than judging them, embracing it and say, look how gorgeous you are in this space. And I, I completely accept you. And so to me, that judgment transferred into awareness hmm. and it doesn't have like have a signature of contempt to it. It's just, I see you, I know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it, but I know it's probably has something to do with you know some trauma you've experienced or some environmental thing that you're doing. Um, but I allow you to just be a human ex- having your experience rather than needing my contempt and, and opinion on the matter. <laughs> hmm. Does that kind of answer your question or does I yeah. to totally... <laughs> <laughs> well, What
1: mm-hmm. phrases would someone experience? that is expressing self-contempt like the beliefs oh, like or the thoughts
0: really getting clear about your inner dialogue um I used just like a little notebook when I first did this I used a little notebook um I coded my little black book <laughs> and on the front page of it I would carry it everywhere probably maybe just for a week so it was not like something that became my my daily practice forever and ever um but I just started listening to how I was judging another person, or I would listen when I was in a low, I could notice that I was in a low vibrational state or, or heightened a negative emotional state. And then I would pull out what I was feeling. It's just becoming aware of the feeling. Now, the emotion is a one letter word. <laughs> the feeling is, is kind of like what's generating the word. It's a it's story behind the emotion at least that's how I identify the difference between feelings and emotions. And I would write down the feeling. Like, I feel like I'm not going to, I'm not as smart as she is while I'm listening to somebody give a talk or um, you're never going to have enough money for this. And it was just like all these dark um, things going through my mind, pretty much unsupervised. Like I wasn't supervising my thoughts. They just came in crapped on my mind and it left, <laughs> and so I, I noticed them. They would come in and write them down because it's almost like it got out of my head and got in the spotlight just for a minute. And I would write it down without shame because if I apply shame to this process, you'll stop within the first three things you write. You'll be like, "I, I can't deal with the shame." But you look in, you write that down, realize it's just the belief and it's just the feeling and then reframe it into what the truth of who I am is. Now, if I don't know the truth of who I am is a divine sovereign being of light. Well, then uh, even if that's not the core place that you're going to come from, at least something better than I'm never going to be good enough. (laughs) Or, I mean, if you're going to keep on religion through Jesus Christ, I am better or whatever, however you're going to use it needs to be some kind of level of upgrade. And so, um, that doing that process helped me become more aware of the inner dialogue mm. the voice that i was actually listening to every day and also helped me to reframe it and just that practice alone like opened me up to know what the broadcaster it's so invisible that broadcaster is going 24/7 but until we stop and listen and go, what are you saying right now? That is vile. You are the meanest bitch I ever heard. What's going on? If I had to be married to you, I'd have divorced you by now. But <laughs> really, I'm not only married to you, like I'm stuck with you forever. And so I need to, we need to negotiate the the, the sick communication that you're, you're infesting me with. And usually it has something to do with your siblings of what they said, or your parents when they said something in a moment of emotional duress or whatever, but mapped onto it and decided that's who I am. So that hopefully that helps anybody.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it
0: was the trickiest (laughs) hands-on activity I could do to get intimate about my internal dialogue.
1: (laughs) So I've asked other people in the past, that moment it sounds like when you were with carol tuttle that moment where she asked that question and there there's a defense that that had been there previous but you mm-hmm. said you allowed it in mm-hmm. what do you feel like kept you or kept might be the wrong word but what didn't invite you inward prior to that moment to, um, to assess
0: if I had to identify the component I would say it was my ego I was and that ego is just thick layers of uh, that keep the story alive that we keep telling it over and over again and I think there is an element to the ego that does not want change that if you pierce this veil and you discover something about yourself that um, would be useful in being able to enhance your life, there's a risk of you jumping out of that story and becoming something else <laughs> and someone else. And so that, and we can call it vulnerability or call it vulnerability is the act, maybe, but I, I think what you're talking about is what is it that allows you to say, okay, I'm going to look at the scales, you know, you know, you've got to lose weight. You're not getting around. You're not breathing right. Your clothes don't fit. You know, there's extra pounds, but you haven't stepped on the scale in years. It, it's that, okay, if we're going to fix this, I got to look at the, the scales and and give me an idea of how far I've gone from my goal. And so it, it, it is almost like uh, and even recognizing to this day, I have to recognize the resistance. And I and I ask this one question: What am I ignoring, resisting, or avoiding? That if I would just pay attention, it would make all the difference in the world with this thing that I'm dealing with. And so you'll find that a lot in my book: What am I avoiding, resisting, or ignoring? Mm and that's that's kind of knowing that at the other end of that is real it's really your higher self wants to communicate what that is but you have to be strong enough to ask the question vulnerable enough cuz it's so weird because vulnerability just seems like such a weak word but it to me it is the most powerful courageous thing that we can actually do is to be vulnerable and that's the tool to say okay whatever it is i'm ready to see it i'm ready to hear it i'm ready to know it but knowing that if you do you you have to be prepared for your world to change and what that might look like is you might have to start doing things differently you might have to change your behavior you will risk losing your family your friends your place, your position, money, whatever it is, in order to stop betraying yourself. And that in that epic moment, I think is the most powerful moment we as human beings have. Because that is the pivotal moment of transformation. You can't go back after you see it. Like that Pandora, if you're willing to open Pandora's box, you realize the world is way bigger than what you've been trying to condense it into. Does that answer your question? So good. That (laughs) and more, yeah.
1: Yeah. I I was uh so I left the church one in 2018, almost 2019. And so it's been a journey from from there but but I lost well Hannah wants to interview me at some point so so I get my story out
2: You should do it. <laughs> I get I get little tidbits yeah. here and there
1: but I'm excited. I would
2: love to hear your story Josh. <laughs> yeah. You could be on here
0: we could be, we can interview him together. Yeah. That would be awesome. I, honestly I would love to do that.
1: So do I have this fear of speaking up like on social media step, like speaking my truth because I'm afraid I will hurt my parents specifically. And I can feel that it's like a wound when I was three or something. Like I can feel this hurt in my heart and it's, so is that the resistance that I'm, I'm not feeling that?
0: Um, so the fear is really, it's a valid fear. OK, because, yeah, when parents have put in all the efforts to make sure mm-hmm. that you're living in alignment with the gospel and then to hear them uh, hear you say things that are absolutely almost opposite of what you've been taught. Um, unfortunately, the thing that hurts them. is not you speaking your truth. It's the lie in the first place the deception is being revealed and when deception is revealed, it hurts Mm. and it's scary. And if we haven't been taught how to process those things, which is likely your parents weren't taught. I know my parents were taught. Let's face it. I wasn't taught until I was in my adult years how to process that and look at that and say, what am I really hurt about? Is it the fact that Josh is speaking these truths or am I hurt? Because if I go deeper, I find out, that maybe i taught i'm responsible for teaching him a pathway that was not serving him and, and it sends them deep into a rabbit hole it like catapults them if they're willing to go it catapults them down into that space of understanding and so many people are not prepared especially past generations <laughs> they're not prepared they do not have the tools to process that so all they can feel is all my efforts keeping josh on the straight and narrow have been destroyed and he will go into outer darkness or into a, a lower kingdom or whatever their narrative is going to be he, he's going to go to this place and we've lost him because that's the narrative they were taught and they haven't been taught to go deeper past that because going deeper past that it unravels the whole fabric and foundation of things that they've been taught. And the, the generations that are older than us, that can be so terrifying. But what value is there in protecting them? In our effort to protect them, we do not speak our truth. And you know, and I know, that it is in speaking our truth that helps other people feel safe on a very scary journey, right? <laughs> and so there's, like now you're toggling, is it worth hurting my parents?
2: Right. And at the very minimum, too, like certain things, like I my story is different, but just not wanting to make other people uncomfortable, like getting them into that like that, you know, trying to figure out their emotions, that kind of confusion if they hear your story, it's like for me, that's what it is. It's like I'm making them uncomfortable because they don't know how to react kind of thing. So I'm sure that's present with you too.
0: It, it, it was until I understood that comfort is what keeps us stuck. Right. And until I realized that it was until that facilitator asking me a terribly uncomfortable question and in a space of safety. So um, I realized right now in the world that I'm in, in Utah, there's an epidemic of angry XLDS people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'll express their disdain or the trauma that they had within the church with an undertone of anger. And what made it very valuable for me to be able to get, uh, be be willing to go to the uncomfortable places was that I was in safe space. And so when I feel energetically that anger underneath somebody who's expressing what's truly wrong, (laughs) they're speaking the truth, um, it doesn't have this, it doesn't land the same. And so I'm not saying if you say it lovingly and you know that you processed all the anger underneath that your parents are or those that aren't that don't subscribe or who are afraid to hear, doesn't mean they're gonna absolutely shift. However, when they see that you do resonate in a space of authenticity and love, it does create cognitive dissonance. Mm. And is there anything more precious to offer another person than cognitive dissonance out of a programming that is limiting them. <laughs>
1: it's that's, a gift. That's such a good quote right there.
0: Uh, it, just it, That is the best thing you can do is to cause them to have that discomfort grade up against their beliefs that are keeping them bound. So... That's how I see it. I don't know if it's right or wrong or whatever. That's just how I see it. And so I, the better I get at being able to deliver without the contempt underneath, because now I've transferred, I, I noticed for me, I transfer the contempt against myself to contempt against the church, which is actually a, a natural process when you've dedicated everything and then you realize it's not what you thought it was. It's natural for you to feel angry and betrayed in fact it's a very complex betrayal trauma we experience leaving and it's not something that you get to just snap out of and so you when you hear things like well they can leave the church but they just can't leave the church alone um the truth of the matter is they won't leave it alone because it wounded them and they'll speak out about it because it has psychologically manipulated them in a way that's Um, denied their sovereignty and of course we need to experience some grieving about that and anger is in the process of the grief unfortunately many of us haven't been taught how to grieve in a healthy way and so we stay in the loop cycling around in the anger and the betrayal and the grief and the upset and then we turn all the efforts and energy that we were putting into being valiant members of the church into being valiant destroyers of the church and we're still watching episode after episode validating our woundedness rather than popping out of it and creating a life and saying you have wings now you have the sovereignty that you've wanted all along so rather than complaining about it why not make a plan and go live your life the rest of your life unburdened and untethered with these doctrines and really discover who you are and, and generate um, this cosmic opportunity that you have with creation without all of the heavy rules and the obligations and the fears and all of these things and really engage with the universe. And instead they'll stay cycling in that pattern of victimhood and, and pain and suffering and, for me, I would like to help do nothing more than to help what I call my people be able to get out of that situation and live gorgeous lives because that's that gets to be our our inheritance that we give to our family. That's the legacy that we get to leave the earth is our victory over that experience.
1: That was so good. <laughs> Um so in my journey I've had to discover a relationship with anger because in the church anger was bad
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then crying was weakness for a man and so there there was no space for grieving So I can see how easy it is to stay stuck because no one has created a space for those feelings to be valid and honored Mm -hmm. and welcome. And that's been the last maybe six months for me of really diving into, well, one of my mentors, I was moving through some, some deep hurt and I would say, I'm angry and like sad And there's like a longing and, and she said, your grief makes so much sense. And, and I was, when she labeled all of my feelings as grief, something shifted in me that I was like, oh, I have a shit ton of grieving to do here that I didn't know was grief.
0: Yes. And we haven't been taught how to identify grief. Because we think grief is something you experience, uh, the loss of a loved one. Mm -hmm. But in in reality, grief is a state that we experience when we lose something that we loved that is no more. Um, And like we can't bring it back. And so it sounds weird to say, I'm grieving my experience in the church. Instead of the church messed me up and I'm so angry. No, you're, you're, it's actually a stage of grief that, that offered so much safety and it made so much sense and it gave you an identity and it gave you a space to express yourself and it gave you, you follow these rules and you get to heaven. I grieve the simplicity of that and I can't go back to that. Because I, I know too much now. And so, yeah, I, I grieve the simplicity of my religion. But I would never go back. As hard as it is to navigate um, my inner world and, and to try and understand the laws of creation <laughs> as they're available to everyone, um, I would never go back to believing in this simple, certain gospel that I was taught growing up. But I miss my Relief Society sisters. I re- I, I-, I admit it was woven into every aspect of my life to how I spend money, how I wear my clothes, what I eat, what I drink, what I do on Sunday, what I do on Wednesday, what I do every morning of every day, and how I operate and how I think about everywhere I'm going And as you're extracting that, the process of extracting it out and renegotiating those things, using your sovereign mind and your own conscious and your own critical thinking, you realize how much as you pull that thread to the tapestry that you've built up until that point, you realize that tapestry is fundamentally just unraveling and you don't know what's going to be at the end of it. And my experience is at the end of it is a very small piece. (laughs) <laughs> but that little piece is you. Hmm. That little piece is the uncontaminated you. It's the brave you. It's the vulnerable you. It's the messy you. It's the loving you that was whose compassion was exploited. And uh, you can work with that. And now you get to build a whole new tapestry that feels authentic to you because now it's going to go through a whole new process before you onboard it and weave it into your fabric you're you're going to be more scrupulous about who you're letting in what you're letting in what you're going to map onto what you'll attach to and what you you're going to hold loosely and so you you're just doing it with more ability to discriminate the ideas that are imposed on you rather than just absorbing them
1: thank you for all that that i can feel healing happening just in your words
0: Oh good. <laughs> good. I love to have these conversations. I think they're so important. They really are. I'm glad you're doing this podcast and you're getting it out there and getting over your own fears about you know being seen and being heard and doing it right and
1: <laughs> yeah. So could you talk to us about this this idea of intuition of tapping into the truth inside of us in a world where we were told otherwise or not directed inward.
0: Yeah. Well, I know my own experience is that I've always been kind of a spiritual character. I'm a dancer. I'm a poet. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I live in the, the unseen world. Um, even as a child, And then through the religion, I was told that at eight, I'd receive the Holy Ghost if if I chose that. And um, so I really took it seriously when my dad laid his hands upon me and gave me the Holy Ghost. Um, I honestly didn't feel any different when it happened. (laughs) And I understand why now, but it did give me the idea that that presence is in me. Unfortunately, it I was also told that it's only there when I am worthy and when I'm obedient. And I was also told that that intuitive um, gift would never cause me to leave the gospel, the church. And so, um, I was taught at a very young age that I had that intuitive gift that it would lead me and guide me and protect me. Um, But it got altered in the idea that it was given to me by the priesthood and that I had to be worthy of it and it would never allow me to leave the church. So it got tampered with and worked while I was in the religion. And um, for most of the people that I coach, I would say one of the epic things that happens is a, a, a terrible violation to the intuition because now you don't see how you can trust yourself how in the world can I trust myself when i believed all of these things and they sound like they made sense. And then like, I can't trust my intuition. And so it's almost like a hard reset. You have to have that hard reset. And, um, for me being able to rebuild that is to listen to those voices. And again, take out a little journal and start saying, okay, is this my intuition or is it coming from a place of fear? If it's coming from a place of fear, not my intuition, it's probably my conditioned self. Another thing is this idea that I'm having that's coming through to me. Is it expansive? Does it cause me to ask more questions? Is it inclusive? Is it universal? Because when it, if it's anything that's exclusive or special or, you know, only you can do it or you know, it's going to make you famous or whatever. But you can be assured that is the ego as well. And unfortunately, a lot of the doctrines that I was raised with um, were very ego affirming. Like we were special. <laughs> uh, we, were the, we were the chosen ones. Um, the covenant path would keep us safe. And it was just all these exclusionary ideas that the ego feeds on. Because it, it wants safety. It wants consistency. It wants Uh, certainty and so that's on my whole life that's what I was getting from the doctrines there and your intuition is a little different it's expansive you realize that every it it could operate for everyone and that you're not you're not special you might discover you have a unique gift but the minute you think it's yours and you're going to exploit it it's not going to work for you those because our our gifts are given for everyone else (laughs) Mm -hmm. and your gift to speak the truth if you're afraid to speak it that's your ego it's not you know coming from that intuitive place your intuition is the one that's saying josh say the things the people need to hear and it's the ego that said i will be rejected and i will hurt uh, mom and dad and i will I, i need to keep quiet and keep them safe and so that that gathering the intuition strengthening the intuition has been an epic uh, thing for people who are deconstructing to reconstruct their relationship with their intuitive gifts and the more you practice it the stronger it gets the more you can trust it the more you lean in so for me in my life right now I I've been for a month in St. George Utah I don't have friends here well, I do now, <laughs> lots of them. <laughs> um, I but I don't have my children aren't here, my grandchildren aren't here, my mom and dad aren't here, I don't have a boyfriend here, I don't there there's like it's just me, but I knew that this is what I was supposed to do. And the pathway started to clear when I agreed to do it. And now I can see within a month being here, I can see why I'm here. And I'm connecting with so many people um that have helped me and who I have helped and the ideas are starting to formulate in a more organic way that's not um it doesn't have desperation inside of it It, it's more of coming from an inspired place and it's taken me a while to reset that and follow and get in the flow and be really observant about what are my motives and if my motives ring true to my values and the, so those intuitive ideas, those expansive, scary ideas, um, that probably the ones you need to lean into. <laughs> I, I just posted on my Facebook the other day, it was the cutest thing. It's this man all dressed up in his clothes and he has a suitcase packed and he's running determined into the ocean <laughs> and it's like, I, all I know is that now when I hear that voice, if it does, even if it doesn't make sense, I'm doing the thing. And once you've mapped onto it and you feel like you can trust it again, um, I, I don't want to be without it. And it's not a matter of me being worthy. It's a matter of me knowing how to access it. It's not a matter of it being bestowed upon me because I have a special religion and the priesthood gave it to me. No, it's innate in all of us. We have access to this. And one thing I've also noticed too is that not all of us develop it in the same way. Um, It's just like meditation. You know, this is how you meditate. Well, it might not be how you meditate. And I've also felt in the body, we each have a different uh, complex body and we're made differently. Some people feel that intuition in in the gut other people feel it in the heart. Other people have it in the mind. Um, other people have like a whole body resonance with it. And just learning how it communicates with you is an important thing. So if you're in some um, institution that tells you it's the thing that comes from your heart when you're actually a belly ble- uh, a belly intuitive, that <laughs> it just creates confusion. And it, it frustration, we to tend to beat ourselves up. Like, what's wrong with me? I'm not getting intuitive in my heart. I don't even know what that feels like. And then somebody gives you the idea that you might feel it a different way. And you're like, oh, I need to learn how I feel it.
2: Mm-hmm. I was just, I just sent this to Josh yesterday. There was, I saw this clip on Instagram of um, this man telling a story about he was driving his daughter in a car and they were heading somewhere and all of a sudden he like something came up in his mind and he was like dreading something. And his daughter, I don't know how young she was, but she just said, is everything all right? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And so like she instantly felt that feel that something that he, like he said, it was right away. As soon as he had like a nervous thought, she picked up on it. And then after a second later, he's like, I need, I need to tell her that no, like I was actually like, cause otherwise you're going to train. You're validating me. it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that, uh, that just resonated with me so much because there are so many times where I not trusting myself and then I end up listening. I'm like, Oh, thank God. I listened to my intuition, but there, are, you, there are so many, you know, religion or anything we go through as kids that do, we have to almost just be wary of things that are trying to keep us from believing our, intuition and and you know feed ourselves things that do
0: well i think I think you know if it, i know it's a very practical way but if you get like two notebooks you're like did this one this is the negative voice this is the mm-hmm. limiting voice this is the dark witchy bitchy voice that and i even gave her a name her name is sheila and she's <laughs> awful she's awful and I know I just put her like when I hear her, I call her out, put her in the back seat, and I love on her. That's another thing. You don't beat her up because that doesn't work either. <laughs> you love on her, Sheila. I hear you. I know you're worried about this, this, and this, and you need to get behind me in the back seat and stop trying to drive. <laughs> and then the the other book of I had this uh, inspiration. I had this idea, and I had that idea, and it's again, it's usually expansive. It usually has something to do with uh, helping other people. Uh, it usually has something to do with increasing and bettering yourself. And sometimes it takes a sacrifice. And sometimes that sacrifice is nothing over more than just a layer of fear. But it's inspiring you to do those things. And they are scary. And a lot of times they don't make sense. <laughs>
1: <Sorry.
2: No>. oh. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to ask you how many notebooks
0: you have. (laughs) Oh, well, I've thrown them all out now. This was me like getting this, wanting to get really real about it. Um, I, I, to answer your question, I have 37 journals, (laughs) but those nasty notebooks, like I'm done with that now, now that I can sift through it in my mind on my own and I hear it. And I, that was just the rudimentary way to try to sift through my mind and get really clear um and now it's just like okay i know where the source of that is oh there's an idea i know the source of where that is and and sheila (laughs) yeah sheila what are you talking about
1: (laughs) so i made a drum a couple months ago and i use it during my breath work and i had i i'm starting this little community um where we're focusing on expanding our capacity to connect so this is a lot of vulnerability exercises and we're going to include breath work so we started last friday and i brought my drum and i make a spotify playlist for my breath work and we're like halfway through the playlist and i i'm walking around holding you know the space and i look at my drum and I feel inside me, play me. And,
0: there you go.
1: and and I'm thinking about what song's on. And I was like, no, the drum's going to clash with this song. And so I ignored it. And then I'm walking around a little bit more. I look back over and the drum is like, play me. And I was <laughs> like, fine. And so I walked over and I grab it and I started playing and walking in between the different people and I didn't know who needed it. I didn't know for how long. And so I was just playing and playing and playing. And then I, I kind of felt like that's that's good. And so I put my drum down, finished the facilitating, you know, at another 20 minutes or so. And then I opened the space for sharing. And there was a lady that shared her um experience. And then there was a little gap and I said, okay, I'll share. So I told him the drum story and this other lady starts crying. And she said, that was for me. And she said, you were, as you were guiding, you were talking about walls over our heart, like calluses over our heart. And she said, I found this callus over my heart. That I couldn't break through and the drum as soon as you started playing the drum it just dissipated I that wish. energy so I'm learning to trust and listen
0: so there's there's I love that story there's another thing about intuition that, and you just demonstrated it perfectly and it has to do with that intuition is usually a direction mm. it's not a question It's not even in the form of an idea. Sometimes it feels like an idea, but it's a direction. Play me. Hmm. Go visit your mom. Uh, Watch this. Watch this video. Um, It's it's just really directive, and uh, it's not like wishy washy or flowery or anything. It's just go do this thing, and there's no emotion to it usually. However, after we hear the idea or the directive, we will have about three different excuses pop up immediately as to why you shouldn't do that. And those excuses are usually correlated to what will other people think. Mm. (laughs) So your, your story completely explained that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Play me. Got the direction. But it doesn't work and people, it won't and, 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 and play me again because there's no way that you could have known, No, you know, that, that intuitive spirit can't tell you, Josh, this woman over here has got a heart condition going on. If you could play the drum you will be able to break it up so she can work with that energy. You know, it's not going to say that it's just going to say, play me. You don't even know why. It's so so cool. We all have this. We all have this. And it's Mm. usually shut down because our phone is in our face Mm. or we're trying to perform or we're so out of alignment with our life just trying to make ends meet that it is just so shut off. And it has nothing to do with whether you drank coffee or had a beer last night. (laughs) (laughs) Your clothes are appropriate away. Nothing to do with that stuff.
2: (laughs) True.
1: So Wendy, can you tell us what is exciting you? What's what's alive in you? What events? What how are you? Like so you moved to St. George.
0: Yes. (laughs) So you've
1: been coaching. Like, is that still active is it more active like what's going on in your life
0: well i've just been trying to listen to that voice and not be afraid and not you know, what are you doing here you don't have any <laughs> family and you're so lonely and you know i'm just not listening to those things just following the the things that light me up i in fact, on my whiteboard it says you know what makes me horny is <laughs> what's <laughs> <Okay, I'm laughs> on there what lights me up what's just a yes 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 and so a yes, 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 for me has been, go ask this girl out for lunch. Go ask this. You know her on Facebook, but you've never met her. Go out to lunch with so-and-so. So I've been going out to lunch with a lot of people. And then when I go out to lunch, then they introduce me to other people. And I've just generated this network within four weeks. I'm not kidding. I've generated this network of powerful women with healing gifts. And it's like we are all having the same message together. Mm. and to support each other and to um to make our gifts available because a lot of them are still like under the radar and they're not in any uh, you know having developed a marketing platform and not getting out there because they're the healer type (laughs) and but so what excites me is being able to what's just Freshly in my mind is having a get, a gathering place for those people who are feeling that call and to be able to do some spiritual masterminding or just some spiritual thinking tank, if you will, and come up with ideas on how not only can we support each other, because a lot of times you're on that journey all by yourself. Um, and, but two, how can we help the, and support the community? And so that, that makes me horny, so to speak, (laughs) it lights me up. And so I I am going to be uh, relaunching my healing questions guide book because I love that book. It's, it's started, it has momentum of its own and it's kind of a little child that I gave birth to in 2015 and have been feeding it breadcrumbs, but somehow it grows anyway. and It's an international (laughs) seller. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. well maybe I'll take it serious. Um, but also podcasting. I think that lights me up. Um, just being able to get the voice out and to be a voice of reason for people who are feeling the shift and they're starting to awaken and they're applying that vulnerability and they're piercing through their paradigms and they're getting to this place of where do I go next or what do I do next? And what I think is so cool, and this is how I know you're in a, an authentic spiritual growth, is that. A coach or a leader or somebody will not direct you to them. They will direct you to your community after they direct you within. Hmm. And completely give you permission to be the sovereign of your own journey. The sovereign spiritual journey and the psychonaut of your own inner verse. And to me, um, that's why I know I'm with somebody who is... A true spiritual coach and somebody who really wants to make a different difference and to use their gifts um, with a pure heart and without the intention to um, to profit off of people's fears or people trying to navigate unknown territory. It's so easy to even map onto a spiritual coach that has a greedy heart and take advantage and exploit you yet again. <laughs> so that that's kind of been my journey is finding these authentic people connecting with them and then just starting to create a community where we can be here to support um a a lot like what you guys are doing this feels like a a universal call
1: Mm.
2: Mm -hmm. I was just gonna say that
0: yeah for sure
2: yeah I feel the same way about community just needing it's calling me it's just showing itself to me and I just need to act on it. But I do, I have all those little, like Josh is laughing at me because I wanted to start, this is my basement. I have my one-on-one clients here, just lie down on a yoga mat, but you know, I have, there's a whole nother half to it. And for whatever reason, I'm like, I don't know if my house is ready to have like groups of people. And I just like all of that, that ego just keeps telling me that, oh no, no, no. It's too cold. And I was just thinking while you're talking, like, I really need to find a way to warm this place up because it's chilly. And I'm like, people are going to be cold. Why would they want to come? But it doesn't matter. Like, it's people want to. They are also feeling that calling. I just need to invite and make the space happen.
0: Well, and think about the people who come. And think about how you will feel when your floor is filled with bodies, and your gifts are radiating and making a difference. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, shut up, Sheila. <laughs> i right. see with you. I'll find right. a way to, to warm this basement up.
2: With just people. Everyone will warm it up. Just Body being But yeah, yeah my, my Sheila is definitely loud. But I'm loving her too. Thank you for trying to keep yeah. me safe. I have failed things in the past, but that doesn't mean that this is going to be a failure.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And and that I have that fear too, because I've created things and then like not that they, they don't work out or whatever. And so I'm like, well, if I put all the effort in, I'm afraid it won't work. And
2: yeah. That's, that's what my shoulder tells me too.
0: <laughs> that's a trial and error we have to go through uh, as we're trying we're exploring this too. Right. And it, it really has to do with your gifts and, and what I've had a struggle learning this year is it's just you being authentic and doing what you love. And if it doesn't light you up, it's not your thing to do. And if you're trying to do it like someone else, we'll stop doing that (laughs) because that's someone else's job. And you just map on to, to your gift and you come from your heart and there will be no deficiency in ideas. When you're coming from your heart, it will bubble over. And the more you follow it, the more it will instruct you because the universe wants healing. And if you are a willing participant and willing to be a conduit for that healing, there's not going to be a shortage or deficit of information that can come through you. It's just that that willingness to say, okay, here I am. Put me to work. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
1: So with your Facebook group. Where did that start from? And then kind of what's your plan for it going forward?
0: Um, I, I started it uh, probably over eight years ago and it was thriving after Mormonism. And it there's a monopoly in the word thrive now. And um, as much as I love John DeLynn and I love what he represents, I'm so glad he's doing what he's doing. Uh, we, we're just like called to do different things Like I'm here to help the healing process, and he's more there to expose, and and um, both are essential. Um, But it kind of swallowed up my name, is what I'm trying to say. Mm. (laughs) because he uses that with his events, and so I changed it into to uh, empowered former LDS group. And my vision for that group is to help provide them with the tools, but to also create a community where they can support each other. So. I have some rules in there um, just so we can create a safe container and focus on moving forward. And so um, what do we have in there? Like 52, 5,300 people so far. and It's all grown organically. I have not advertised for this group other than maybe on a podcast once in a while. Um, And it's really growing because people are tired of the epidemic of angry XLDS people. Mm. And they want to find pathways for that unfortunately I, I as a, I shouldn't say I'm like a lone coach doing this because there are a lot of people are actually going into this field of whether it's therapy for people who are, are deconstructing um, or coaching or, or whatever um, there are a lot of people onboarding that but the outflux is also picking up too and so there the more people that step into their gifts um, the more people can help so, To me, it's about connecting people with the services and the people and the events and experiences that will help them to move forward and have that that forward um, vision for their life and the skills to do it. So that is my goal with the group. And because I'm having my own little experiences, sometimes I just kind of go AWOL (laughs) and let it operate itself, which Mm -hmm. is really cool because everybody's pretty responsible and grown up in there um, compared to a lot of other groups that I've been a part of. Uh, but my goal is to actually connect people with the resources that they need to help heal.
1: Yeah, I think you're yeah. meeting a definite need there. Cause I, I was in that place too, where I was listening to all the podcasts and getting more and more aware, but also more and more angry. And then I was yeah. like, what do I do with this? do I just stay in this cycle for the rest of my life? I was like, I don't want that. And so I left those other groups just for that reason.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you have to really be conscious and aware of the environment you're creating for Mm -hmm. yourself. And I I know it is curious and fascinated that I am listening to a three, four hour podcast about somebody who is wounded in the same house as me. And injustice was done to them and validating the things that I experienced. It is an addictive feeling, that mm-hmm. validation. However, when you're done, you're worked up again and you've rewounded yourself. Mm. And so po- it, to me, it's like podcasts about like what you're trying to create here that ha- help people to move beyond that. And see that there's something better, that that doesn't have to be your story. It's just something that happened to you. And you can tell somebody who's in the trauma, too, if you ask them, well, tell me what happened to you in the church, and they'll they'll go in, and then they'll lose time, and they'll talk about the whole thing in detail, because they're still in the trauma. You know somebody's past it when they can say, well, uh, I was raised in a cult, and I woke up, and I got out, and so now I'm doing this. <laughs> it's like it's not so it's still thick and heavy for them anymore. <laughs> it's been awesome talking to you too.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Wendy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great, gentle, peaceful, safe energy. Mm -hmm. So needed.
2: Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Absolutely. I would love to do it anytime. We can be specific about what we talk about or can help you interview Josh, because I really do want to hear the story. Mm -hmm. Have you already told yours, Hannah?
2: I'm um, not like like little, same thing, like little tidbits here and there, um, but not like a full episode. Definitely want to, Josh comes first though for this. I want, I'm, I've, I've told, you know, a lot of my stuff, but
0: yeah, I'm eager to, to do that. Yeah. No, I think, I think telling our story is an important piece. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it's especially powerful when we can share ways that helped us get out of it mm-hmm. And it gives people hope who are just barely waking up to what's happened to them. And they're just in this state of turmoil. And they're just like, I don't know what to do or where to go from this place. Uh, I was not taught (laughs) where I was supposed to go once I hit the borderlands. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it it really helps to hear other people's stories, especially when they end in victory. Mm -hmm.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we like to end with you sharing a little message of what you want to our listeners and the world to hear can be anything that comes to you today.
0: Well, I, I have shared this on another podcast where they're going to generate an entirely different audience. So I would love to share it with you and your audience. And um it's basically in a nutshell the things that I learned um by being raised in a high demand religion. Um, It wasn't until I discovered I was being deceived by the source that I was conditioned to trust the most that I learned to trust the voice within. It wasn't until I lost my superficial community of church friends that I began to seek real, lasting, authentic relationships. It wasn't until I lost the false identity that had been given to me through indoctrination that I discovered who I really am. It wasn't until I lost relevance with my family and my friends and my children and my parents for leaving that I stopped trying to please them all and stopped betraying myself. It wasn't until I lost membership in the church that claims to be the one and only true church that I found deeper association with God and all of humanity. Evidently, I needed to be told what to think and what to believe in order to appreciate the privilege and the freedom of thinking for myself. The trick is to transform your pain and suffering into resilience and power. I understand that the grief can be unbearable. I realize that the earth feels like it's crumbling beneath you. I know it is lonely and scary and sometimes that you might doubt that you're making the right choice. But after the life quake and after digging to find yourself through the rubble, you can rebirth yourself into a better version of you, a truer version. The challenges of transition reveal your true inner strength. Now, no one can convince me that I've been a victim of the church because all I see now is that I have been gifted. And for that, I honestly am genuinely abundantly grateful Part of my experience was that I was taught to be quiet when I had something to say that might not meet the approval of authorities in my life. I will never again be silenced. I will not be censored because what I have to say matters. And what you have to say, it matters. And the fact that what we have to say is different, that also matters. But what matters most is that we are kind. And that is what I would have share.
2: <laughs> I love that. Did you write that? I did. That, that is beautiful.
0: That is part of my healing journey. <laughs> so wow. I hope it helps someone else.
2: <laughs> it's going to reach someone, that's
0: for sure. Well, thanks for letting me have the opportunity to share it. <laughs> Josh. It reached me, yeah. Thank you. Oh, good. Good, good.
2: Thank, Thank you. you. And if lastly, if you want to share like where people can find you or how
0: you can you find do. me, I, although I'm just like all in the state of uh, re, re, um,
2: planting,
0: branding, I guess, branding myself at wendyjensen.com. You can also find my book, the healing questions guide. Um, Maybe you can leave a link for mm-hmm. all that. And you could also join our empowered former LDS group. I'll, I'll have um, Josh and Hannah leave a a link for that. And then I have, um, just events and things that I'm doing. Um, I'll be speaking at the energy healing conference here in St. George, the, the 9th of of March, and I'll be talking about, um, removing generational curses. Mm -hmm. So that's what I have going on. (laughs) Exciting stuff.
2: What a great episode. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, Let us know what you took from that. Leave some comments, share with a friend who also might resonate with the story. Um, Subscribe, like, all those things so that we can spread the word about our podcast. And so all of our beautiful stories that we get to hear from our amazing guests get to be shared around the world. We appreciate you as a listener and we'll see you next time thank you
1: thank you for listening to the deeper awareness podcast where the journey of self-discovery and inner growth continues to unfold we hope this episode has ignited a spark within you and inspired you to embrace a more conscious and authentic existence by looking within if you enjoyed today's conversation be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes where we'll continue to explore the transformative power of breathwork and emotional healing. Continue the conversation and stay connected with us on Instagram. Follow at Deeper Awareness Podcast. To receive daily inspiration, valuable tips, and updates on our latest episodes and offerings. We'd love to hear your thoughts and insights from today's show, so feel free to share them in the comments below or tag us in your posts. Your engagement and feedback mean the world to us as we strive to continue to create content that resonates and empowers our incredible community. Together, we can continue exploring the depths of consciousness, fostering genuine connections, and supporting each other on our transformative journeys. This episode is brought to you by You Belong Breathwork, your destination for transformative healing and self-discovery. At You Belong Breathwork, we believe in the power of breath to unlock the deepest parts of ourselves, leading to profound insights and a greater sense of connection and belonging. Whether you're seeking emotional healing, a deeper connection with yourself, or a path to authenticity, our breathwork sessions, retreats, and coaching programs are designed to guide you on this transformative journey. Our experienced facilitators are here to hold space for you as you explore the depths of your consciousness and discover the infinite potential within. Visit youbelongbreathwork.com to explore our offerings and download a free guided breathwork session. Thank you for being a part of our deeper awareness community. Stay connected, stay curious, and may you embrace your true essence with love and compassion. Goodbye for now and see you in the next episode.